Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 272 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm here with a mini episode. Uh, This is a bonus mini episode that is in direct response to an email I got from someone who said that I could read this on the show um, because I think there's a lot of useful takeaways in my answer for her. So she said, uh, I'm going to share just her first name because I don't know if she wanted her last name shared. So this is from my friend, Rosie. She said, can you spare a virtual hug for a discouraged unpublished writer? I wrote one book and while there were good things about it, One agent described it as a near miss. It just wasn't good enough. I paid for an editor to tell me this painful truth, but I learned from it. So I wrote another book and my beta readers loved it. The very first agent I sent it to asked for the full manuscript, said the narrator's voice was incredible. And although she passed in the end, had some useful suggestions about sensitive areas within the text. In fact, she was surprised when I followed up and asked what she thought of the full manuscript. Her email declining had gone astray because she genuinely thought someone would have snapped it up. Nobody had, and almost 30 rejections later, I don't know what to do. I now have a third book, almost ready to go on submission, and my beta readers have said it's my best yet and are convinced this will be the breakthrough book. Part of me is really reluctant to let go of book two. I know it's good, but that isn't always enough, is it? Do I park it for a while or maybe employ an editor, money is tight, to help me improve it before trying again? Or should I invest my limited money in working with an editor on book three to make it the best it can be? I go round and round this in my head, but don't seem to be getting anywhere. Can you cut through the crap with a one-liner that says, ditch number two and on with book number three, book number four is already at the first draft stage or whatever. It's so hard to break through. I'd self-publish, but have a medical problem which affects cognitive function. And I'm not sure I'd be able to learn all the stuff that I need to know in order to get it out there and promote it successfully. Would I be better paying someone to do that for me? Or am I wasting my time and should abandon my hopes of being a published author? Yours confusedly, Rosie. So, oh, actually, I'm going to read the whole sentence. Uh, Yours confusedly with a big, furry, heavy monster of a cat on my lap, the sun shining outside, even though it's cold and lots of reasons to be happy and grateful, but I'm not. Oh, Rosie, I wanted to answer this on the air. Um, Oh, I have so much to say about it. And uh, lest you worry about Rosie, I also sent all of this in a quick three-liner email. Um, But email is a nemesis I fight with. And I find it a lot of times easier just to talk things through, which is why I have that Patreon level of support at the $5 a month where I can be your mini coach and answer questions like this. Um, So what I'm hearing from you, Rosie, and please do email me and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you really want to go the traditional publishing route at this point. Um, You want to keep pursuing that. Self-publishing is not looking as attractive to you. I will address that in just a moment, but let's just talk about that um, urge, that desire, that really fair, valid um, urge to be traditionally published that a lot of us, including me, 
I, I had that at the beginning of my career. I still have it. I still have the, the, the voice in my head that wants to be able to walk into a bookstore and just see my book on a shelf without me having much to do with it getting there. My publisher having the responsibility of getting the book into the bookstore. Um, so that's totally, totally valid. I want to say to you, oh my God, it sounds like you are so close, Rosie. Do not give up. If I, I And I said this in my email to Rosie, but if I had given up at 30 rejections for my book that eventually ended up uh, getting bought and agented and then bought and published, um, which was my third written book, um, I would not be published if I'd given up at 30. My lucky number was 32. 32 I needed 31 rejections. Well, actually, that's interesting. I needed 30 rejections exactly because at the moment that 32, my current agent and my only agent wanted me, another agent wanted me to. Um, so that was kind of a nice thing to have happen. But 32 is kind of a low number. I normally recommend people to go for between 50 and 100. Definitely don't give up before 50. Um, probably go for 100. 100 is a, is a more reasonable number to go for before saying this book doesn't seem like an agent anywhere thinks it's commercially viable at this point uh, for their particular list. And let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about what I mean by that. Um, agents don't blow smoke. They don't have time to blow smoke. If that agent told you it was a near miss and all of those glorious compliments and also was surprised that somebody else hadn't snapped it up, she meant it. She was using her excellent judgment to tell you that. Again, they have no time to lie. They have no interest in lying to a stranger about these things. Uh, so you can trust that your writing is good enough. Um, to, and to all your questions about hiring an editor, the lovely thing, if you're trying to go the traditional publishing route, is that you don't need to do that. Your, your agent, if and when you get one, acts as your first editor. In most cases, some agents don't edit at all, but I have found that the vast majority of them do. So they do an edit with you in order to bring your book up to the quality that they want it to be so that they can take it out. And then your agent goes on submission. She is also out there trying to avoid rejection, taking your book out for sale to editors at different imprints at different publishing houses. So often that the agent will be your first editor. And then if your agent sells the book to an editor at a publishing house, that editor becomes the capital E editor of this book. So you don't need to spend any money on doing this. I said, you don't need to spend any money on doing this. Some people do choose at this point, right before they go after trying to get an agent, they will hire an editor uh, off of someplace reputable like Reed Z. Um, in order to help them get it into even better shape to try to attract an agent. That is not necessary. My agent, Susanna Einstein, um, does say that she kind of looks at query letters that say that they've worked with an agent um, with a tiny bit of more interest because she knows that you have really committed to this project and that you have committed to the craft. Um, but it doesn't sway her one way or the other. She looks at the words on the page when she gets the, the manuscript, if she requests a partial manuscript or a full manuscript. Um, so hiring an editor at first is not necessary. So you have this gorgeous book too, which had this near miss with that agent. You've had 30 rejections on it. If going traditional is your 
goal. Don't stop until you have hit 100 rejections on book two. Um, and that's and that's nice. That's free. That's that's emailing out what five. I I liked to send five query letters a week because um, I got through them quickly. You can do them more than that. You can do them less. You can do it slower. You can do it faster. Um, the only golden rule about querying agencies is you can query as many agents as you want, but don't query two agents at the same agency. It's just a matter of protocol. We don't do it. They don't like it. Um, if they accidentally find out, you know, chatting over the water cooler that they're both looking at the same submission from the same author, um, it's it's not the best thing to do. So just wait until one agent at an agency um, rejects it or after six weeks of no response, you can take that as a rejection and then send to the next one in the agency. But you can have, you can send out a hundred queries in a day. I probably don't recommend doing that, um, but you could. So say you do five query letters a week, maybe even 10 or two, whatever your perfect number is for sending out a week, that's free. You're not spending any money on that. The book is there. You're just keeping it in rotation. Um, Rejection is the name of the game in this. A 2% request, between 2 and 5% request for a partial or a full manuscript is normal. So if you query 100 agents, between 2 and 5 agents will probably ask for a full or a partial. Sometimes that can go higher. Um, but if it's any lower than that, you probably should look at your query letter and to make sure that there is, aren't egregious um, spelling errors or anything like that, I have a I, I have a service, rachelaren.com slash query, because I love query letters. You can always look, go look at that if you need help with your query letter. Um, but Rosie, just send me yours if you want me to look at it, because you and I are friends and I will help you with that. Um, but I know it's already great. So that's book number two. Get 100 rejections on, on that. Book number three, same thing. Same thing. Try to rack up 100 rejections on that before you make a decision to hire an editor or do something else with it. What I recommend is keeping a spreadsheet of submissions. Um, you can do this online at a couple of different places, but I just honestly preferred my own spreadsheet I made up and it just had the name of the agent, the agency they worked for, the date I submitted it, the date they asked me either for a partial or a full manuscript, and the date they either rejected it or six weeks after I had not heard from them. We do not follow up on these things. If you have not heard on them from them in six weeks, it is considered a no. However, if they ask you for a full or a partial manuscript, they will tell you exactly how much of your book to send. Um, if you have not heard from them in six weeks after that, you should ping them. You should say, hey, you asked me for this, have you had a chance to read it? Because that is at the bottom of their list. Reading partials and fulls is always at the bottom of their list of things to do. And what happens to the things at the bottom of your to-do list? I know that I, I never do them. Personally, uh, they have the same problem. So do reping if they asked you for a full or a partial and you haven't heard anything. So you're doing that. You're keeping that spreadsheet. Um, in the meantime, you're going to be writing book four. Hopefully, by the time you get to the end of all those queries, you have an agent that you're working with who is helping you craft one of these two books into a better, stronger book, um, and then taking that out for sale. If, worst case scenario, Rosie, you come to the end of this, you have, in the meantime, spent no money on doing any of this. You're just sending out query letters. If you come to the end of those 200 query agent submissions, then it is time to have the talk. And here's the talk. If you have a book that is rejected by 100 agents, it 
does not mean that that book is not good enough. Sometimes it means that, yes, I'm going to say yes. Sometimes it does. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean that. The market right now is so difficult. It gets more difficult every year. Coronavirus absolutely took a huge, huge chunk out of the publishing industry. Um, No one has any money to buy books. No one has any, uh, and and when I say that, I mean um, publishers to purchase books and to produce them. Uh, There was a time when no one was going to bookstores. So book sales uh, in person fell to the floor. However, online, of course, they still kept selling um, because people were still reading. Of course, they just weren't going to bookstores, but that has made breaking into the traditional publishing market just a little bit harder. And it was always very, very hard. So there's that. Um, Another thing is that your dream agent, the one that would have been perfect for you to work with, say you have submitted a uh, travel memoir, even if it's the best travel memoir she's ever read, she can't take you if she has another travel memoirist in her stable with a book that she's going to be selling soon. She would be competing against her own client and she can't do that. So she will just either not respond to your email or delete your, you know, or or just a uh, blanket rejection. She's not going to ever explain to you that I love your book, but I can't take you on because of this reason. It's just going to be a rejection. So you don't know what's happening on their side of the desk. Your book can still be the the thing that every that your readers are waiting for, waiting to read, those rejections don't mean that they shouldn't be able to read that. I am switching more and more every year towards self-publishing as a an incredibly viable model for doing everything that traditional publishing is doing. Um, your concern about having the mental space bandwidth and finances to do self-publishing are absolutely valid. If you, and and if by when I'm saying you, I'm talking to all the listeners, if you decide to self-publish, you must hire an editor. They are not cheap. Um, You're probably going to be looking between the, between I'm going to say $1,800 and $4,000 to edit a manuscript. Uh, I like to recommend my affiliate link, um, rachelheron.com slash readsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y, or you can just go to readsy.com. Um, all of their editors there are vetted. All of their editors are, se- are, sub- are, are self-employed there. So they're all going to have different rates. Um, they're going to be doing different things. You could try them out, but you do have to pay for that if you are going to self-publish and then you have to do the copy edits and then you have to do the proof and then you have to do the upload. You can hire people to help you with all of that. Um, The promotion, doing the publicity for your book will always fall on an author, whether you are traditionally published or self-published. That is just the, the way of the world right now, unless you get some kind of like million dollar seven figure deal uh, and they're going to throw a lot of money from the publisher at the publicity of this book, anything less than a seven figure deal, you're going to be doing all the work yourself anyway. So that is something that we all have to learn the hard way and there's no easy way to do it, but there's a lot of cheap free stuff out there and you can hire help to do that kind of thing, um, to do the uploading, to do the formatting, to do all of that. There are tons of wonderful PAs out there, v, uh, virtual assistants, VAs that will help you with those kind of things. I would offer you my own, but I think he's quite busy, honestly. Um, I don't. I honestly don't think Ed is taking on any more clients right now. But Ed, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Obviously, 
So self-publishing is a really awesome viable model. However, I guess my biggest thing I'm trying to say to you, Rosie, is do not shelve these books. Do not shelve them. Keep them going. Um, I always bring up my best friend, Sophie Littlefield, who has published, I don't know, 40 or 50 books. She's an incredible writer. She went over 100. I think I think she was up to maybe 110 by the time she got her agent, Barbara Powell, who is a shark who has been on the show. Um, but she just kept trying, just kept showing up and trying. Let me go. Rosie, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to other people who worry that their book is not good enough. Uh, if you get 100 rejections on your book, could it be because your book is not strong enough? Yes, that could be. That could be possible. Uh, one thing that I have recommended pretty recently, I think, is that you can also go on to readsy.com and hire somebody to just um, look at your first three chapters, say, and give you pointers on what craft you need to learn. Um, so you need to have good writing craft and you need to know story structure and you need to know character development. Those things have to be in your book. Uh, you could self-publish them without it. You probably won't get great reviews um, and you probably won't get widely read if you are lacking those things. The good news is you can learn how to do all of those things. Uh, and <laughs> I actually was going to tell you about my 90 days to done class. I didn't expect it to fit in so naturally because I am an extemporaneous speaker on these kind of things. But I will just tell you right now that if you are concerned, um, any of you listening with uh, your grasp on character arc and story structure, um, any of those things, and, and craft. I do have five spaces left in 90 days to done and um, 90 day revision sold out with a clang within hours as it usually does. Um, 90 days to done. If you are in 90 days to done, you get the automatic right of first refusal for when 90 day revision opens the next time, which is why it always shuts so fast because people who are in my 90 days to done course finish books finish whole books from beginning to end, and then they want to do the revision on the book. So that's why it always fills up so fast. Uh, but I have five slots left right now as I record this for 90 Days to Done, which starts on January 4th and goes for January, February, March. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. I'm teaching it a little bit differently than I used to, and it's working so beautifully. Oh my gosh. Most of the people in this last session uh, finished, and if they didn't, they're, they're very, 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 very close. Because I've tweaked a few things, that's I've always had a very high success rate, but it's even higher now of people just coming into this class and writing a book. So we do three weeks of planning now, and then we do 10 weeks of writing, and each week we write one-tenth of your book. And by we, I mean you write one-tenth of your book. It doesn't matter if your book is going to be 40,000 words long or 100,000 words long. You work all of that out. You do the planning. Um, but one-tenth of a book, each one-tenth of a book has a particular reason for existing. And so rather than being somewhere in the murky middle, although we all do feel that, you can say, well, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the sixth par- tenth of this book. What happens in the sixth tenth? And then you do that. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a great class. Um, you've got me as your guide all the way up. I just watched um, yesterday, I watched the movie, what's it called? Uh, 14 Peaks. It was great. 14 Peaks is a documentary on Netflix. Um, it's about a Nepalese man named Nims Perja. And he wanted to climb the 14 tallest peaks in the world over 8,000 meters in seven months, which had never been done. And he did this 
this was the takeaway of the movie. He did this with support. He did this with support and with acknowledging his support. He did this with a crew. Um, I wrote my first three books, two of which were unpublished, one of which was the one that got published completely without support all by myself. And it was so hard. It was so hard having the support of a community, which is what 90 Days to Done turns into in a beautiful, cohesive, organic, gorgeous way. You have this community of friends around you all doing completely different things and all doing the exact same thing that you are doing at the exact same time that you are doing it. Um, it's just pretty freaking cool. So uh, if you are interested in that, that is over at rachelheron.com slash 90 days to done nine, zero days T O done. Um, I pulled up a couple of quotes here. M Donald's gave me a quote that says, uh, this is a, a gift to new writers. Rachel Heron is a gift. I've taken a ton of classes, both online and in person, but this is the very best class I've ever taken. I went from zero words written on the book. I've dreamed of writing for years to writing the end for the first time ever in 90 days to done. I never thought I could do it, but she showed me how. Uh, and then Katrina Ryan says, uh, Rachel's class finally made me the writer I always wanted to be. She provided a rock solid framework for how to make the heart of your story sing, including understanding your main character's core wound to how and when to roll out its emotional dark moment. She taught me how to increase my productivity such now, such that I now write almost every day. I now know how to channel my creative energy and approach my work without procrastination or judgment. So if you have been waffling about that, if you have been thinking about taking 90 days to done, I would love to have you. Um, um, so that is my ad read done. Um, and Rosie, that was not for you because Rosie, you know how to show up. You know how to do your work and you know how to write good books. The fact that you had any agent tell you that it was a near miss and that she was surprised that somebody else hadn't snapped you up means that you are good enough. Keep going. You are this this close. You are this close to being there, Rosie. I know this with my heart. And I am very, very excited about the day that you write to me and say, Rachel, you are right. Um, so I am really looking forward to that. And I also want to acknowledge, um, that's why I wanted to read that last part of your sentence. What did you say? Lots of reasons to be happy and grateful, but I'm not. It is so hard when we are at this place of we have, we have a good amount of belief in ourselves and then we put ourselves out there and doors are slammed in our faces. It is so difficult. It is so spiritually difficult for the soul to contend with this kind of rejection because it's really the rejection of the dearest, deepest, most sacred part of ourselves that we have sent this out and someone has not even had the fortitude to write back to send two sentences back, rejecting us. They just delete and move on. And we never hear from them, uh, never hear from this request that we have sent them. It's difficult. The feelings that you are feeling are real and valid. And you did something amazing, my friend. You reached out to me and you asked for a little bit of advice and a little bit of a pep top talk. You are a writer. Keep writing keep submitting. The, writer, the writers who are published are just like any other writer, except that they are more, and I mean by this tradi traditionally published, the writers who are traditionally published are just um, sometimes more stubborn and more unwilling to 
to give up. They're unwilling to give up. Every time they get knocked down, it hurts and we, and we cry and then we pop back up for another round. And sometimes um, when I am knocked down, which I have been frequently in my career, sometimes I stay down longer than other times. Sometimes um, that dark night of the soul that we talk about in our books lasts uh, not for days, but for weeks or months uh, and sometimes longer. And that's fine. It's not fun, but it's fine as long as we keep getting up at some point. So Rosie, I hope this helps. I hope this has helped somebody else who is listening to just keep getting back up. Remember that even though it feels like being rejected by agents is um, saying something about your worth, it is not. If you have had your work looked at by anyone who is willing to tell you the truth, including an editor, if you want to hire them to look at a small portion of your book um, and they say you're good enough, you're good enough. If you feel you're good enough and other people have said that you're not, you're good enough. You just have to keep going, keep trying, keep working, <sighs> keep popping up. I know that I sound like I'm contradicting myself in this, but I, and I am because all of this is contradictory. You have to believe in yourself, but you also have to look outside yourself for help. Uh, you have to stand fast to your beliefs about your work. And you also have to keep learning how to make the beliefs that you came into writing with different or stronger or better. All of these things can be true. Um, but the most important part is that stubborn hope I actually wrote about it in the um, writer's newsletter that I sent out last week about this stubborn hope that tells you that that is the right voice. The voice that tells you you are crap and your book is crap. The voice that feels very heavy and dark and black. That is the voice that we all hear that is always a liar. Your internal knowing about your book is the voice. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week too. Um, is the voice that might be saying, okay, Rachel, you need to work on this skill and this skill, and you could get better at this. However, there's something here, girl, you got this. It's that stubborn hope that springs up um, that says you can keep going. That's what we, that's what we choose to believe. We choose not to believe the lying voice that says we suck and we should just put the book on a bonfire and forget we ever wrote it. Um, the stubborn hope that rises in all of us. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a writer, period. And you're also a stubborn, hopeful writer. So good for you. Okay. I think I have, um, I think I've thoroughly answered this, Rosie. Thank you so much for asking it. Um, I hope I helped. And also, I just want to thank you for asking it because it, it has meant something to somebody else. They are feeling the same way that you are feeling. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you listeners for being here for this mini episode. Um, yeah, that's all. Okay. Happy writing to you all. You can do this. Just keep going. Be more stubborn than anyone else. I know that you can do it and get a little terrible writing done um, that you can fix later. Okay. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. 
Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.